Stay tuned for another sports presentation on the worldwide leader of Marshall University Athletics coverage, the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network. It's time for Sports Buzz, WMUL's weekly sports talk show with a competitive twist. Four enter, but only one will leave as this week's champion of current sports topics. And now, here's this week's moderator. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Sports Buzz on the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network. I'm Justin Zimmer. We got a great cast with us tonight for our semester opening broadcast. Uh, just a disclaimer to uh, longtime listeners of this program. We're going to go with a competitive uh, new twist this year, at least to start the year. We'll, we have three tonight, but we're not going to do eliminations. We're going to go straight for an hour, and then we'll pick a winner at the end of the hour. And we'll just go with that. Okay. Now that, now that business is out of the way. Let me let the uh, our cast introduce themselves to you. Again, three tonight. We'll start off with the man with the Sixers outfit. Uh, sorry for Philadelphia. It's been a rough year in baseball. Uh, let's go, Sean Kelly. Here we go. Sean Kelly. I'm returning from last year. Made my debut last year. Happy to be on again. Oh, okay, <laughs> I'm John. Uh, I made my debut on Sports Buzz last year as well. Only made it on one episode, but I'm looking forward to being on many more episodes this year. I think this show's a lot of fun. I'm Ben Anderson. This is my WMUL debut, and I'm just here to have fun, and be able to talk sports. Alrighty, Ben. Welcome and welcome everybody. We're gonna. I think we have a great semester. We have a great. We have a great team, and I think <clears throat> these guys can attest. To, we have a great team with us uh, all all semester. Uh, not all, not not only here tonight. Not here tonight, and also not here with us. Now we have a great cast, and we're all excited to be back. So let's start off with uh, college football, and it's not a good sign if you're a head coach in week zero. The storyline is you potentially getting canned. That, that course being fired, Scott Frost, not fired. Uh, the, his Cornhuskers took on the Northwestern Wildcats in Ireland, and, well, things went as well as everything's gone during the Scott Frost tenure at Nebraska. Not well. They lost another one-possession game. So, is it time for Nebraska to finally move on from Scott Frost? Or if it's not, how much longer can this go? We'll start off with John Bogus. I definitely think it's something the Huskers really need to think about getting a new coach. Uh, they've not been too great in season openers in the past few years. Uh, it's definitely embarrassing that loss this past week. Um, some questionable calls being made. Uh, Frost even openly admitted that them losing that game was on him. And... He wishes that he wouldn't have made the call that he had. Uh, there's definitely looking to be a problem in coaching with the Huskers right now. I think it might be time to look elsewhere. Now, is it time for them to let go of Scott Frost? Yes, definitely. But are they going to is a different question, and that answer is a bit more complicated. Obviously, he should be gone. 5-21 and in one-score games is obviously going to do that. But on top of that, if you look at his coaching career, he's never had a, a winning season past that one year that he went uh, undefeated with UCF a couple years ago. The closest he's got with Nebraska is 5-7 and seven in 2019, and he hasn't even beat any ranked opponents. So it's not like he's hanging off of a thread because he beat Iowa one year. He's never beaten any ranked opponents. But are they going to? No. I, I think Nebraska is still going to keep Frost, cause, at least for a couple more weeks, because they hope that he can win against the likes of North Dakota and Georgia Southern. But if he underplays to them, then it's, you know, he's, he's definitely gone. And on top of that, now the biggest news is that there was a potential feud between him and his offensive coordinator that he had to defuse and say he wasn't actually feuding with him because he said that the play calling needed to be more creative. Now, he said that that was just uh, made out a comment made out of frustration and that he's perfectly fine with him, but the fact that he had to disclose that and it became a big headline on ESPN kind of says it all at this point. 
Yeah, I agree with your points. Like Scott Frost does need to go, but I think Nebraska should wait until the end of the season because with the if you have interim head coach, it just kind of get makes things more complicated, especially early on in the year. But with the point you said, he's five and twenty-one in one-score games, which is not good. He's never had winning seasons. So is it time for him to go? Yes, I think Nebraska pulls the plug at the end of the season to try to rebuild a winning Nebraska program that we have not seen in nearly three decades. Yeah, and I and I agree. I, I don't think, although I was saying that they should start to look elsewhere, I think they'll hold on to him. I mean, they'll see if he can fix his mistakes. But when your coach is openly admitting that he's kind of the problem, I think that's when it's time to really look into things. Maybe not can him right now, but uh, he's definitely on a hot seat, that's for sure. It's arguably even more embarrassing if they do fire him after this week against North Dakota or in, in these next coming weeks because you have rumors of him last year leaving or him getting canned last year too. You bring him back for one week and then you fire him and he, he comes back just to fire him. That would arguably be even more embarrassing. So Nebraska, I feel like, like everyone else said, is definitely going to keep him on until <clears throat> at least a couple weeks in. But it's even more embarrassing when you think that in the Big Ten West has been one of the most universally criticized for being one of the weakest divisions in college football. Year after year, you have Iowa taking the division, and then maybe Wisconsin and Northwestern one year won it in the COVID year. But when you have that weak of a division and you still can't even break five, you, you can't even make 500, is even more embarrassing. Yeah, I'm just going to have some more fuel to the Scott Frost fire while we're at it. Uh, here's his records at Nebraska. Uh, raise your hand if this sounds appealing to you. 2018, 4-8. 3-6 and, eight, and six in conference play. 2019, 5-7. 3-6. Nebraska, 2020 again, COVID year, 3-5. and five. Last year, 3-9. and 1-8. and 0-1 oh, this year. Oh, by the way, UCF, let's just add that out as well. Six and seven year number one in 2016. And then the t- 20, 2017, 13 and zero. Uh, only, only undefeated team in the country, and they had a parade at Disney World. So, fun times in Lincoln, Nebraska for Scott Ross. I'll ask a follow up to this. They play North Dakota, they play Georgia Southern. This kind of relates to it. Is that going to be enough to save Scott Frost? For now, they if they win those two games, is that enough to save him, or is this? To me, it depends on how much they win by. If they win by a sizable margin against both of those teams, then Scott Frost's job is definitely still in. He he still has his job at least until Oklahoma or until conference play starts. Although maybe not Oklahoma, because I don't think anyone in Nebraska front office even thinks that he's going to beat Oklahoma. But if they play him close, then I feel like Nebraska might feel at that point like it's time to put out the campfire before it starts turning into a forest fire. If you get me. I mean, if he, if he goes on a win streak during the season, I could understand not firing him during the season. I still think uh, that they should look into it at the end of the season. But if he goes on a win streak and you fire him, then that might be throw a bunch of questions up in the air. Well, it, it seemed like he was getting his groove back together. Why why did they cut him then? Uh, so overall, I, I think it's just going to depend. Definitely at the end of the season, they should look into it. But if he's winning, I mean, I keep on going if it's working. Yeah, I agree with you there. So if they win both games, then yeah, definitely keep them. But if they lose both, then I would start questioning, all right, do we keep him for the rest of the season or do we go ahead and pull the plug down? You mentioned Oklahoma, Sean. I looked up the score of that game from last year. It was a big noon kickoff game. Uh, Nebraska lost 23-16. Another one-score game. Yep, another one-possession game, and this year Urban and Friends will be there. And on top of that, their first conference foe, if I remember correctly, is Indiana. And Indiana, because we were talking about that, yeah, I think it is. And I'm, I'm looking it up now. Indiana had a good COVID year in 2020. I remember they were pretty competitive. They beat Penn State. I remember in a very close game. But if he, th- there's another team where if you lose to a team like Indiana, who is also not 
not all that up high, especially being in the Big Ten East in, in that division. If they lose to them, you lose the opening game against Northwestern, most likely lose to Oklahoma, and on top of that, if they play the two gimme games close, then I think he's definitely gone by then. Yep, Indiana is the first game, and uh, that's right after the big noon kickoff, and you know who's back on that show. Urban's back. Great to have him back. <laughs> back on TV. It's going to be a great time. All right. Let's get to the NFL and the most expensive backup quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo. All the offseason was, when's Jimmy G going to go? Where is Jimmy G going to go? He's staying. That's right. In the city by the bay, Jimmy G back for another year. But the question is this. In the NFL, which stands for not for long, is Jimmy G out of San Francisco by the deadline? Let's start off with Ben. Yes. Because we already have realized Trey Lance is the future of San Francisco. It's like, why else do they have drafted Trey Lance or the number two overall pick when they did? So Jimmy G, he's not a bad quarterback is the thing. So there will be teams that will want him by the trade deadline. Something like teams that could really use quarterback for example, like Seattle. I think he would do, think he would fit fine like Seattle because they have Drew Lott and Geno Smith. So I think I do see him being traded, but to like in the but somewhere else in the NFC though. The issue with Trey Lance and the whole future of blank team thing is every single quarterback draft high, drafted high, whether it be Trevor Lawrence, Trey Lance, Sam Darnold. Everyone is the future savior of some team. And it really depends on if Trey Lance does play like he is supposed to be the future of the 49ers. If he has a stat line like Trevor Lawrence did last year, and granted, yeah, Urban Meyer very much helped in his stunting of growth. Uh, Yes, but my point is if he has a lackluster first year, or if he starts out terrible, then they might want to keep Jimmy G, at least until the trade deadline, but I agree with Ben with if he does get traded, which I can very much see, I, I think that Trey Lance will have an okay year overall, in at least for the first half. But I see him going to the Seahawks as well. And the thing with the Seahawks is they have some cap space left that if he does get traded, they can still eat up. They, they don't have to pay the entire contract that they just paid for Jimmy G. So that they... Out of any team, I'd probably say Seattle, and also with Drew Locke at quarterback, there's not a lot of hope there. So you, you get at least, a, in for the short term, a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo. You can get something there, and plus the 49ers have to pay less as well. It's tempting to say yes, in my opinion, that Jimmy G will go somewhere else. I mean, he very much could be a starting quarterback on other NFL teams right now. But I think at the end of the day, I think when the season's over, he's still going to be in San Francisco. Um, my thing, I, I think Trey Lance has a promising future, but my thing with Trey Lance is we haven't seen a lot of Trey Lance yet. He did pretty decent in preseason, but we still didn't see a lot of him. I think they were mainly conserving him because, you know, he was going to be the starting quarterback. But it doesn't make up for the fact that we really don't know what Trey Lance is going to do. Garoppolo has been enough to get the 49ers to the playoffs, but he hasn't been enough to win later in the playoffs. I think that the 49ers will want to hold on to Jimmy G because if something happens to Trey Lance, they know that Jimmy G has that potential to take them to the playoffs. Again, they may not win when it matters, but they have a guy they know can go there. And if Trey Lance isn't that guy, then I think you put Jimmy G back in, and it's, it could very well be that Garoppolo is not the backup for too long. Plus, with so many, there's so many quarterbacks now that were drafted high and immediately get pushed into bad situations, whether it be you know, bad situations on any sort of team. There's so many examples of that. I, I feel like with a team like the 49ers, even though it's not the worst situation in the world, he's not being put on like the Jets or the Texans or any sort of real bottom barrel team like that. But especially with injuries as well, 
they're probably going to want a steady hand to at least be there as a fallback option. And Jimmy Garoppolo is the perfect quarterback for that. A guy who has led them to great heights, has led them to the playoffs, but he's he's always good enough to still stick there. So having him out on as a steady hand will be a, a good thing for the 49ers, in my opinion. Yeah, and, and where I see like a team maybe trading for Jimmy Garoppolo is, say, a, a contender week tw- – uh, well, I don't – whenever the trade line is, if week nine. So let's say like week eight. You know, you have a very a team that's six and two, and a very high playoff team, and then their starting quarterback goes down. I think that's when you get the phone and you call the 49ers and ask about Jimmy G. Until then, I think he's on the 49ers. All righty. I mean, I mean, look. I mean, it's an interesting discussion to have because you looked at the off season. Cleveland didn't know what their quarterback situation was going to be. Now, now they know Deshaun Watson's out for 11 weeks. Surprised not to see Cleveland get in there, but John, I kind of leaning with you on this because I feel like some somebody's going to get injured this year. It's it's bound to happen. With we saw it with a lot of teams yeah. last year as well. It's, it's it's something's bound to happen at some point. With you know even with more one more week in week seventeen, there's it's bound to happen whether it be an injury or underperformance something. John Lynch, keep the phone on speed dial. I mean. Because someone's going to be calling you, and it's not. It's going to be a team that we least expect. All right, talk about teams that we least expect. Past many years, there's been a team that's gone from worst to first in the NFL. We won't do game predictions so for the NFL until next week. Which team that finished last place a season ago will be first place at year's end? We'll start this one off with Sean. You look eager to go. Here we go. When I looked at other sports websites lists for the whole worst to first team opinions everyone also added teams who were last in their divisions like the Ravens and the Broncos and teams like that and I have an issue with putting those teams in the same conversation as teams like the Jaguars and sorry Zimmer the the you know the Giants and it's okay teams, teams we, we have like, Danny Dobbs it's okay only one more year one more year, yes, but I, I do. He's have, off his rookie deal next year. We're good. I'm not going to count teams like the Ravens and Broncos, who were a mediocre team, but were still last in our division because it was a very tough division. I'm down to two teams. I'm saying the the Jaguars are an interesting option with how I don't think they're going to be first, especially with the Titans. But anything is going to be better than what it was last year. And they've made the biggest splashes out of any team. You got Doug Peterson at head coach, who's actually won a Super Bowl and developed Nick Foles into a Super winning Super Bowl winning quarterback. And people forget he made the playoffs the year after that and was one dropped catch away from beating the Saints and heading to another NFC Championship game with Nick Foles. Granted, they're a much better team again than the Jaguars, but at least there's going to be the potential for a larger height than what they were last year. And I also think the Panthers might do something as well, although I feel like they're more a mediocre team that got slightly above average than anything else. They still have Christian McCaffrey, and if he stays healthy, you know, him. and But I, I, I don't believe in Matt Rule still being at head coach. I, I, I just don't believe in him. I think there's too many injury-prone things going on at the Panthers. I, the the thing is the, it, the the teams are bleak. What else do you have? The Lions. Everyone was brain. Don't, I'm not being brainwashed by the NFL films here. You're, you're not on the you're not on the Motor City Dan Campbell train. No, all the pep talks in the world are not going to stop them from being the Detroit Lions. Get, get, <laughs> I mean, get actual help and then come back to them. I mean, I mean, they're singing Billy Jean. I mean, I mean, Aiden Hutchinson's a pretty decent singer. Good good for them. The 0-17 Cleveland Browns also had an NFL Films release. That doesn't mean that they automatically are going to be the next big thing. Yeah, but they didn't have Motor City Dan Campbell as their head coach. Of, of, of course. Of course they didn't. But that's my main issue with it, is that there's not a lot of real good options here. What else do you have? The Giants? In the NFC East? Yes, you do. You, you, well, yeah, you do, but you know you have the Cowboys and Eagles now with getting guys like A.J. Brown to help strengthen themselves up. 
they're still going to be the top two in the division. They're, the Giants aren't going anywhere except past the Washington football team. Now Commanders. Well, I actually did go with the Carolina Panthers for my worst to first. Um, I, I, I agree with Sean in a sense that I think it would have just been too easy to say the Ravens or the Broncos. Plus, I kind of believe in the Bengals and the um, Chargers more to a point to where I don't think they're going to go from worst to first. But I went with the Carolina Panthers here. Yeah, it's tough to see them going ahead of the Buccaneers. But I think if there was a team in that division other than the Buccaneers that were ready to compete right now, it would be the Carolina Panthers. Baker Mayfield, whether you want to believe he's a good quarterback or not, is better than Sam Darnold. And Sam Darnold did not have too bad of a start with the Panthers. So I could see another very promising start to the season for the Panthers with Baker Mayfield. And we see Christian McCaffrey return. It's been very unfortunate these past two years, but, I mean, something's got to give at some point. I think this is the year that Christian McCaffrey's back and he's going to be solid once again. And that wide receiver room, I mean, DJ Moore, LaVisca Chenault, uh, Terrence Marshall, Robbie Anderson, that is a pretty stacked wide receiver room in my opinion. And if Baker Mayfield can get the throw into them, then they're going to they're gonna bring a lot. And I think, you know, the addition of Austin Corbett on the O-line is very nice. And taking a look at the defense with Brian Burns, Shaq Thompson, Xavier Woods, I think we'll see a lot of improvement this year from J.C. Horn. I, I believe in the Panthers, and I didn't really at first. My buddy Levi kind of put me onto the Panthers. I, I kind of believe in them, and I, I think Baker Mayfield's going to want to prove the Browns wrong. And if they don't beat the Buccaneers, I think they will at, very least, at the very least have a wild card spot in the playoffs this year. I'm stuck between two teams, either the Panthers or the Eagles. I say because I'm going to say Eagles are, I got, I got a gut feeling they're going to dominate the NFC East this year. I thought it did things. When you say the Panthers, the, my only thing is if Christian McCaffrey can stay healthy, then yes. If he doesn't, I could see their season going downhill fast. That's the other thing. That, I mean, that was my main issue as well. And while I don't have really high opinion on Baker Mayfield, the other thing is that with the expanded playoffs as well, now with one extra wild card, and the NFC South being a very mediocre division with the Buccaneers still being miles ahead of the Saints, the likes of the Saints and all the other teams down there as well, I feel like there is a lot of room for the Panthers to break out of that mediocrity and be a potentially seventh uh, spot in the playoffs with all that they have. You bring up a good point. Seven teams in the playoffs. I'm interested to see how Baker Mayfield is as a Panther, to be honest. With you. I, but the Jaguars, that was a... I see. <laughs> that was a... I, I would have went with the Detroit Lions or the Jags, and I'm a Vikings fan. <laughs> I, mean, but, they, I mean, they got pieces. They, 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 they got pieces in the offseason. They got Christian Kirk. They got Evan Ingram. Travis Etienne, if he stays healthy, they have pieces there. I'm not saying that they're going to be top of the division, but they're. I feel like they have a lot of potential to at least make it out of the basement and just for that reason alone be the probably the biggest story of worst to first, even if sort of like the Orioles this year in baseball, how even if they don't make the playoffs, it's still astonishing how far they came from being one of the worst teams in history to being having way more potential than they did the year before. I heard the one other, I've heard from a lot of people, the other team that you can see have a big improvement is the New York Jets. Because it's like Zach Wilson is showing potential near the end of the season. They spend a lot of money on talent. I, I think you see the Jets have a big improvement. They're definitely not going to win the AFC East because there's no way they could beat the Patriots and the Bills. But I, I think they could go about maybe six or seven wins this season. I agree with that, and uh, if we're if we're picking a Baltimore Orioles of the NFL, I definitely think the Jets can have a an astonishing season, not a playoff run, but an astonishing season at the very least. If they can stay healthy, I can definitely see it. But that that and the fact that they are in the AFC East kind of barred me from putting them into the conversation as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the Jets could have a good year i still think they're going to be last last in the afc i agree oh, for, sure. I, or, for sure yeah yeah, I, yeah for sure 
Because you got to think, you have New England and Buffalo. Actually, no. I, th- I got questions about Miami. Miami. I got questions about Miami. I feel like Miami is going to stay mediocre, if anything. With the pieces they got that they got around Tua, I think they're going to just stay a mediocre team at worst and be a playoff team at best. But Tyreek Hill said that Tua Tagovailoa, or however you say it, he said that he was the most accurate quarterback he's ever played with. I'm sorry. I, I am doubt not that. So I, on Tua. I can say that I'm going to win a million dollars. It doesn't mean that make it. That doesn't make it true. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't think Tua is better than Patrick Mahomes. But hey, Tyreek Hill seems to have faith. Good for him. Well, they, well, they got a slot in their building. They they got room for activities in their indoor facility. They 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 got they, they got rope. Um. All right. Let's continue in the NFL. What we'll, what we'll another topic here? Team that was not in the playoffs. Not not worse the first. Actually, team that was in the playoffs last year that will not be in this year. For the NFL. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll give I'll, I'll give you a minute. I feel like the easy answer might be the Dallas Cowboys since they're the punching bag of this sort of. Topic and especially with well, also NFC East, no repeat winners in 15 years. That is true, but my main thing here is with the Philadelphia Eagles and the pieces that they got. You get guys like AJ Brown and everyone else that they have. Jalen Hurts potentially improving upon himself. I feel like that the Cowboys, there's a lot of room there for them to disappoint as they usually do. And with how up for grabs the wild card positions are, I can very much see them being a second place team that's just not there. Yeah, I think, um, you know, there's a lot of easy answers. You know, I don't think the Steelers are going to be back in the playoffs this year. Um, I don't really think the Cardinals are going to be back in the playoffs this year. But if I'm going with a with a bold take, this team isn't going back. I I don't know about the Kansas City Chiefs this year. I think that the Chargers, the Broncos, and the Raiders, it's it, you, there's no telling who's going to win that division. And a lot of people think that all four teams could be in the playoffs. But really, at the moment, I see a lot more upside in the Chargers, the Broncos, and the Raiders than I do the Chiefs. The Chiefs haven't retained um, a lot of their talent from last year. It's hard to see them losing with a, with a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes, but does he really have that much to throw to? He doesn't really have that much to run the ball either. So I'm, I'm a little skeptical of the Chiefs this year. I'm not saying this because I'm a Bengals fan, but I'm just saying this on perspective. I want to say Pittsburgh, but Mike Tomlin always finds a way to have a winning season. So that's the only thing keeping me from saying Pittsburgh. Because with the talent, with the lack of talent he has, he's still going to find a way to go 8-8 eight and eight at least. He'll still find a way somehow. But if I had to choose a team, it would either be Pittsburgh or, honestly, uh, the Raiders. Because even with Devontae Adams, I, I just, I just don't see, see it happening. Because they got, because they got to deal with like the Chargers, Russell Wilson now in Denver, and then Patrick Mahomes. So I mean, you got to go Pittsburgh or the Raiders not going to the playoffs. And the other thing with the Steelers is also that not only do they have a lot of holes and talent, but yeah, they can go eight and or eight and nine now. But the Ravens, I feel, are just purely a better team than the Steelers and only weren't ahead of them because of injury. So if they stay healthy, which I feel like they should this year, the Steelers aren't going to be in that second position, the AFC North, just off of the fact that they always find a way to go mediocre and just have enough talent to be a mediocre team this year. So the Steelers are also a good option for that. And it's it's what's tough with it is that you you are literally not safe in the AFC unless you all you have the second spot in your division uh, because that with the division the AFC West you know it could, it's very likely that all four make it and so if you're uh, in the third spot in another division well it may not be enough the second spot may not even be enough and so I uh, that's just 
my problem with the Steelers is that I it's it's very likely that all those spots go to the AFC West. I I kind of believe in the Raiders more than a lot of people believe in the Raiders. I love that Raiders defense. I think the Raiders defense is a little underrated, and I think it's better than a lot of people think it is. I think it's going to improve a lot this year. And that Derek Carter-Devontae Adams connection, I believe in it too. And so that's why I don't think the Raiders will fall out is I I just like them a lot. All right, good discussion for the first half hour. When we come back, we're going to talk about MLB. Which team is going to be collapsing late into the season in September? When we come back on Sports Buzz. Careers in sports journalism are growing with the expansion of cable networks, the rise of sports-centered online platforms, and ever-popular local coverage. Get in the game. Your passion, curiosity, charisma, and a Marshall University sports journalism degree will equip you with the combination for success. You'll be the eyes, ears, and life of the game when you learn the art of sports storytelling while covering the thundering herd on our Huntington campus. Go behind player stats and game scores. Learn to report compelling stories. Become proficient in breaking news across multiple media platforms. Find out how sports and media impact our society. Marshall University's W. Page Pitt School of Journalism and Mass Communications is ready and eager to help you start your sports journalism career. Learn more at marshall.edu sojmc. The worldwide leader in Marshall University sports coverage. Welcome back, everyone, to Lexington, Kentucky. It is still survive in advance time. Welcome back in to Fifth Third Arena, Cincinnati, Ohio. The Marshall Thundering Herd lead the 24th-ranked team in the country, the Cincinnati Bearcats, back here at Heinz Field in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. The Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network. the worldwide leader in Marshall University sports coverage. Welcome back inside the Xfinity Center here in College Park, Maryland. Happy to have you with us on this Black Friday. Welcome back inside Little John Coliseum. 4.48 to go in the first quarter. Welcome back to Johnny Red Floyd Stadium. Welcome inside the Cole Center, everyone. The Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network. Award-winning coverage lives right here on WMUL-FM Huntington, WFGH-FM Fort Gay, and WTHM-LP Ravenswood, West Virginia. Welcome back to Sports Buzz. Justin Zimmer here with you. John Boggess, Sean Kelly, Ben Anderson here tonight, and half hour through again, no eliminations. I'm, I'm, I'm a nice guy. We're not going to eliminate anybody. Let's keep everybody safe, all right? I'm sure we'll get a bunch of phone calls about that tomorrow. <laughs> I'm sure they're coming. Judge, don't call me. All right, uh, let's go to the MLB. It's uh, that magical time of the year. It's, it's about to become September 1st. Playoffs are in a month. That's always fun. Who's going to collapse in September? Like, which team right now is in the playoff picture or just shy of it? That's going to be completely out of it by the end of the month. Yankees. All right, go ahead, Ben. This is going to be. Uh, I want to see the Yankees because it's already started. Because they've because they're already starting to implode the month of August, and I just see it just going downhill from there. Because I can I can see them going downhill, and then the Rays taking over and winning the AL East. So my pick is the New York Yankees. If the Yankees were still the three wins at the beginning of August Yankees that we saw, then I would probably agree with you. 
but I feel like we all had our fun with the Yankees imploding sort of thing. But I feel like we all knew that that wasn't going to last. The Yankees always do this every single year. Some point during the summer, they have a little bit of an implosion. And, you know, they they were on pace to win 114 games. They're going to fall back down to earth at some well, point. But they have enough they, they have enough of a lead in the division. They're, they're, they have no problems making the, making the MLB playoffs. Call mine an overreaction, call me a homer, call me whatever you want, but these past two games have been the most embarrassing Phillies games I have watched in a long while. For the past two nights, I have watched this team play the Arizona Diamondbacks in the most disgusting fashion of baseball I've ever watched. Seven-run lead in the fourth inning, and in two innings, they let up... they let up 13 unanswered runs to the Diamondbacks. They always find a way to do this. Even if, even with Rob Thompson, even without Joe Girardi, they still find a way to do this. Out of the All-Star break, they're white hot. What do they do? They get swept by the Cubs. Then they play the bottom feeder teams like the Reds or the Pirates or, sorry, Zimmer again, the Nationals, and they beat them. But then when they go back to any sort of team that has any sort of life in them whatsoever, they fall right back down to earth. They've done it with the Mets, they've done it with the Blue Jays, they've done it with the Braves, and guess what teams they have to play at the end of September? They have to play the Blue Jays, who they already got swept by. They have to play the Braves, who they already struggled with. They have to play the Astros at the end of the season, which may not matter. And they had to play the Cubs and the Marlins, who they have historically struggled with. This, The pitching, Aaron Nola isn't the same that he was. The bullpen is going back to being overworked, as they usually were. We saw that with Christopher Sanchez. Everyone's throwing meatballs over the plate. It, it, and here's the big thing with me, okay? You may, you may say that they'll, they'll come back, but they've done this for the past four years. 2018, they go 8-20 in September. They were 15 games over 500 in mid-August. They go to a losing record at 80-82. 2019, heading into mid-September, six games over 500, still an outside chance at the wild card. They go three and nine in the final 12 games of the season. 2020, eight teams in the playoffs. All they have to do is beat the Rays once, and they get swept, and they lose three out of four against the Nationals. 2021, the the Braves. Thank you, Zimmer. 2021. 88 games. That's all the Braves won last season. They still had an outside chance at even the division. And what do they do? Mediocre. 14 and 16 to end the season, to end September and October, six games out against the Braves. They do this year after year after year. And these are the type of games that do that. They have a paper soft schedule. They have a mediocre Giants team coming up. They have a bunch of trap games in front of them. I see with the Yankees argument that we were having, I see that Yes, the Yankees are in a tough spot right now, but they are just, their record is still pretty good. The Rays are still eight games away from them. It's it's going to be tough to see the Yankees not go to the playoffs. Sure, there may be a chance that somebody else takes the AL East, but it's going to be tough. And if somebody does take the AL East, it's still going to be tough to kick the Yankees out. The team that I'm going to go with is the Cleveland Guardians. Now, I know the AL Central isn't the strongest division in the American League, so it's very easy for the Guardians to fall out compared to some of these other teams. But I just haven't been too impressed with the Guardians' performance as of late. It's not been too bad, but it's not been too great. Um, Losing a series to the Mariners. um, Beat the Orioles yesterday, but... Um, they just have a tough schedule coming up, in my opinion. They got to face the Mariners again. They got to face the Angels. They got to face the White Sox. They got to face the Rays. It's it's just it's going to be tough for the Guardians, for here on out, and they will get a series against the Twins coming up soon. And I think the Twins are on a hot streak right now, and the Twins are going to overcome the Guardians in those series. And the Twins will come out and win the AL Central over the Guardians. Another team that I thought about as well, and while my pick is still the Phillies, their offense is still in and out, as we've seen in this last game as well. They face up against Gallon for the Diamondbacks, and they get shut out. But another team is the San Diego Padres. Now, they do have the last wild card, so it's not as loud of a collapse, 
but they're still almost identical to the Phillies. They're also 14 or 15 games over 500, and you have a closer that you traded for in Josh Hader who is still struggling. Yeah, but the Padres have to win now. They have they they have to. It, they have to. But the other thing is, they also have a tough schedule ahead of them. And also, they lost Fernando Tatis Jr. for the rest of the season as well. Who's their best player? Yeah, and it, it seems like the Padres just can't catch a break. It's when are they finally going to do what they're supposed to do? And on top of that, Juan Soto has been pretty good as well. But you know, when you make a comment like you did when you get traded to the Padres, where he says, "I'm I'm praying for the pitchers that I have to face against." and you're playing as a team the way you are now with the on and off field struggles that they've had on top of the tough schedule that they've had that they're having coming up it's something's bound to give and on top of that you still have the brewers who they've struggled as well they've been very shaky in this past month but there's still this month left for them to catch up and they've done that before in previous years all right let's go to the next one most surprising team this season. We'll go to uh, Ben. Started, uh, let's go to John. So I'll, I'll continue where I kind of left off with the Cleveland Guardians and me saying that the Twins will come out here at the end will surpass the Guardians. They only need one game, one or two games, to kind of surpass them now. So I think the Twins have been one of the more surprising teams this year. Uh this team has had to been very patient. Uh, it has not been easy the past few years for, for them, uh, but they've start, finally started to build that team that looks pretty promising. And overall, it, there's there's just a lot of nice players on this team. I mean, they they have an AL Rookie of the Year uh, contender in Joe Ryan, and overall, I just I like what I've been seeing out of the Minnesota Twins. And I think um, coming up in free agency, a lot of free agents may see that and want to join the Twins. So I'd, I'm going to go with the Twins because of all the disappointments for the past year, they've seemed to finally build something up going this year. And I think it'll result in a playoff. I feel like there's one obvious answer here. And you know what? I'm going to say it because it's such a... It, it, it's it's astounding how far they've come. You're going to say the Baltimore Orioles, yes, aren't you? Uh, yes, I am. I, was I, I 100% agree with you. I, I was about to say that as well. The Tweet, tweet. You know, they do, just in December, December of 2021, Yahoo Sports had an article where the headline was, Baltimore Orioles tanking woes are MLB's incentive problem. They were the poster child for the past couple of years of a tanking problem that the MLB has ever, everyone said that they've had. And then you come back the very next year. They're seven games over 500. they They're still in the playoff race at the end of August. They bring up guys like Adley Rutschman, who immediately start producing. They brought up Gunnar Henderson today, who's one of the one of the top prospects in baseball right now, and who also is very likely to start producing immediately for the Orioles. But also with that, there's a very there's very surprising teams in the opposite direction, who surprise in how much they failed. And one of those teams, I got to say, even though they do this year after year, the Los Angeles Angels, when you start out that hot that they did in the beginning of the year with Trout, Notani, and all the pieces that they have, and you still find a way to be this bad, that's surprising, as well as the White Sox, even though they do have Tony LaRusso as manager. But again, when you bring that many pieces on and you're still mediocre, it's surprising. Yes, I say so. Baltimore, they went from the worst to actually pretty decent. So, I think Baltimore next couple years will be a team to look out for. So, yeah, that's that's my pick. I mean, I I agree with you all. (laughs) I agree with you all, but I just AL East. I mean, it's such a tough division. the Yankees may not have the season they had this year again next year until we know where Aaron Judge is going. But the Rays and the Blue Jays, they could they could still be pretty promising. I, I have been very impressed with what the Orioles have done. They've competed they've they've competed in this AL East division that was seemingly impossible for them. But however, I don't see their uprising in this division coming for at least another few years. I mean they're getting lots of good young talent, 
but that young talent's going to have to develop to compete against the veterans on the Yankees, Rays, and the Blue Jays. And looking in the opposite direction of surprising teams, you got to look at the Red Sox. I mean, um, it's just been embarrassing for the Red Sox this year. They were a very good team last year and had a, a good run in the playoffs, but they just absolutely disappointed this year. This does not look like how the Red Sox were last year. It's just all in all, it's weird to see the Red Sox at the bottom of this division right now. All righty, let's go to college football. Great discussion there on baseball. And Gunnar Henderson, making, I believe, caught up today. I don't know if he's playing tonight. I'll, I'll, I'll check that right now, see if he's playing. Um, college football, it is week one. He's actually up to bat right now. Gunnar Henderson, 0 for 1 already. How about that? <laughs> All right, college football, week one. Uh, a lot of good games on the schedule. App State, North Carolina. You'll have Marshall, Norfolk State right here on WMUL. Um, which team is most likely to be upset week one? Any team in the country? Who, who do you think? I feel like there's only one true answer. Right, go ahead, ben. And it's honestly the Ohio State Buckeyes because they're playing Notre Dame. I can see, even though the Buckeyes are 16 point favorite and Lee Corso is picked to win the national championship, I can't see Notre Dame somehow walking out of Columbus with a win. The only issue I have with that is that Notre Dame is still a ranked team and still one of the top answers that most experts have on who is going to make the top four in the college football playoff. For this, I'm going with just the classic upset of unranked team against ranked team. And honestly, with that, there's not a lot of good options. I guess Utah State was a good team last year. They won 11 games, but they're playing Alabama. And the last time that Utah State played an SEC opponent was number five LSU, and they lost 42-6. to six. Actually, So I don't have high hopes for that. You're going to say so something? I got another game that would be interesting to watch. It's honestly the backyard brawl between West Virginia number 17 Pittsburgh. Uh, even though we're all here at Marshall, I can honestly see WVU walking into Pittsburgh and pulling off an upset. That was exactly my answer for the upset of the week. Yeah, because I forgot about the backyard brawl happened this week. There was a report on Vi- on Vivid Seats had a report that 75% of the sales, reminder, this is at Heinz Field, or Acrisure Stadium, whatever, in Pittsburgh. <laughs> yep. 75% of the sales from West Virginia fans are from West Virginia fans. 25% are from Pitt fans. That's got to take a toll on, on Pitt football uh, emotionally, mentally, for the Panthers, when only twenty-five, potentially twenty-five percent of your stadium, if it gets to be that way, and there's only a quarter of the fan base who are Pitt fans at the stadium, that's going to take a toll on them. And on top of that, I remember seeing a billboard for Penn State football, who is another rival of Pitt in Pittsburgh. So it seems like these teams realize that they can get fans of rival teams into Pitt Stadium, and make the these sort of upsets m- even more likely and while yeah Pitt's likely to regress this year they're not going to go full Desmond Howard and be top four in the college football playoff with all these factors coming in and the fact that West Virginia is still a pretty good team even though they're unranked they were pretty mediocre last year but still a very good chance of them beating Pitt. And the big thing is them, they also got JT Daniels from Georgia now at quarterback and he had glimpses of a lot of potential in Georgia, and I think that he can bring that to Morgantown and be able to find success for the Mountaineers this season. My upset, although you want to see him lose, I got to go with App State. Uh, App State just loves to upset Power 5 teams in Week 1. and Although North Carolina definitely is a strong team, they they don't do too well when they're on the road. I mean they've they've lost seven straight on the road, um, so you might think that App State is not going to be a challenge for North Carolina, but they are. And at the end of the day, the App State fans are very electrifying. So I think North Carolina is going to go into that stadium, realize they got a tougher opponent than they think. You just can't bet against App State in Week One. They with their history and i i think i think app state has a great chance to beat north carolina yeah i was up there over the summer that they are 
They cannot wait for North Carolina and App State. By the way, tough, tough game, tough week number two against Texas A&M. Uh, so let's pick some games here, fellas. Let's start off with Georgia and Oregon. This is going to be an interesting game. Dan Lanning, now the head coach at Oregon, was the defensive coordinator at Georgia a season ago. His first stint against student versus the teacher, Kirby and Lanning, down in Atlanta. Who, who you guys got? I'm very pessimistic with my college football opinions, and you will see that if we do go into who is the top four in college football playoff. But I'm going with the easy answer. I'm going with Georgia. I'm not all that high on Oregon and a lot of the Pac-12 teams. I think that Oregon most years has a pretty easy schedule, and I, I just I'm I'm not heavy on Oregon. I'm just going with Georgia on this one. Easy answer. I'm also going with Georgia on this one. I, Georgia, they're going to be at home, coming off that championship win. The fans are going to be pumped to see their team again. It's just it's going to be tough for Oregon to keep that mindset because the Georgia fans are just going to be loud. They're going to be going hard. And I think Oregon has some definite good spots on their team, the offensive line being one thing that is really good for Oregon. But I just don't think it's going to be enough for Georgia. Uh, Georgia's offense is stellar. They also have a great offensive line, and I think their defense has the edge on them. So I don't really see this being a blowout, but I don't really see it being a close game. Georgia, the defending champs, going to get that at-home win week one. Oh yeah, so I'm definitely going with the Bulldogs. They're 17-point favorite, but it's going to be under the spread. I'm looking at Oregon's last five games here. They are... <laughs> They were 0-3 against top 25 teams in the last five games, which they lost to Utah twice and then to Oklahoma. Georgia still has a dominant defense like they did last year. So I think Georgia is going to take care of Oregon. All right, three barks for the dogs. All right, let's get to the uh, game of the week. Buckeyes and the Irish in the shoe. Saturday night. Uh, who do we got in the... Th- only top five game on week one. I think out of any game, this is probably the most likely game for Notre Dame's t- uh, top four college football playoff chances to go down. And I feel like I feel like Ohio State is going to come out on top. Unfortunately, like I said, I'm very pessimistic with my college football opinions. I think it is going to be a close game. I think the Irish are a very good team. I have, I think they have potential to be the fourth spot in the college football playoff. I think they can beat Clemson later on in the year. They're also a top four team, but I still think Ohio State just has a slight advantage here. I'm going with Ohio State in a close one. I've been looking at the Buckeyes this season, reading about them, listening to Lee Corso. They have the talent to potentially be the national champions. Uh, don't get me wrong. They're like comparing their offense to 2019 LSU, and we all saw how dominant that team was. So by looking at all this stuff, I I honestly do see the Buckeyes pulling it off, but in a close game, it, it hurts me to go against Notre Dame because I, well, I, I kind of, I kind of always liked watching Notre Dame as a kid. kind of hurts me, but I got to go with the Buckeyes. And... With that, I'm also saying I'm going to the Buckeyes to win the national championship. I'm just going. I'm saying I'm locking that in right now. I mean, the, these are two obvious playoff contenders, and both of them are going to want to get the edge. But that, I just see Ohio State winning that game. Uh, I, I I hate to keep the same opinion rolling around here, but it's it's going to be Ohio State. Um, they're just their their offense is going to be explosive. They look very strong this year. I do think Notre Dame keeps it close. Their offense is also going to be strong in this game, but I think Ohio State's defense manages to keep Notre Dame one score away, and it'll it'll be close. That's for sure. There definitely won't be an obvious winner after after the first, but and the end and when it's all said and done, I think Ohio State takes it. And if there's anything that the NCAA loves in terms of teams with losses that make the college football playoff, it's close losses. And this is another very like very likely game to be a close loss, a quality loss, if you will. But 
Notre Dame's offense, like John said, is still strong, but I think simply Ohio State's just stronger. All right. Notre Dame plays Marshall week number two for a 2.30 p.m. kickoff on Big NBC. So we'll see how that goes. And normally the top five games are normally the biggest blowouts, actually, week one. So I'll be interested to see how, how that goes Saturday night. I won't hold it against you. I'll talk about guys. That's fine. Um, let's go to, uh, let's round out with this. Top four. Who will be the four teams in the college football playoff? Well, uh, it's 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 hard to not put Alabama in there. Uh, Nick Saban, very dominant team. They have been very dominant. You can pretty much guarantee Alabama a top four team. And then as we were just talking about Ohio State, I think they will take a big edge this week beating Notre Dame and be very high in playoff contention. And I think that they will be there. they got a good schedule and – They'll have some challenges, that's for sure, but C.J. Stroud has been very impressive, and I'm looking to see him explode with this offense this season. Um, Georgia is who I'm going to give number three to. I don't think that they will be as good as they were last year, but they're still promising parts to this team. You've got to give them the respect for the performance they put up last year. They have a strong offensive line, and the defense is looking good, too. And then for my four, I'm not going to say Notre Dame. I'm going to say Utah. They put up a strong fight against Ohio State last year in the Rose Bowl. Cameron Rising looks great. Defense looks great. Their coach is phenomenal. Utah is definitely underrated, and I think they need to be considered more as a serious contender. My, uh, my top four is very simple. Alabama and Ohio State, conference favorites, easy answers there. Same with Georgia. They, If they don't win the SEC, they'll be number two. And then for the fourth, I got Notre Dame. If they, Justin, I know you're happy about that behind the booth. Notre Dame, if there's, like I said, if there's one thing that the NCAA loves, it's quality losses. And if they win against Clemson and Ohio State, even better. John, you said Utah. Utah's a very strong team, but even though they're in a Power 5 conference in the Pac-12, I still feel like they're just one of those teams that's just a bit outside and more of a Cinderella team. And if there's one thing that the NCAA rarely picks, it's Cinderella teams. And I don't think that a team like Cincinnati last year is going to come in again at the fourth spot simply yeah I mean you make a good point you know it didn't really work out with Cincinnati so it may be tough for them to put Utah in because it would probably be the same story but I just yeah but I mean it's it's I don't think that Utah would lose as bad as Cincinnati did because you saw the Rose Bowl Utah Ohio State it was a close game I think Utah would have been able to compete more than Cincinnati would so yes I see it Utah if they're in it they're probably not the champion but I think it's worth a shot I'm gonna go number one Bama two Ohio State three Georgia and honestly for four I can't decide so I'm going I got a quarter here I'm gonna flip the quarter heads is Clemson tails is Notre Dame I'm going with the Irish I thought about Clemson as well, but the issue with Clemson is that being in the ACC, they have arguably an easier schedule than someone like Notre Dame, and with how teams with easier schedules have played out in the college football playoff before, I don't think that the NCAA is going to like that as much. Like I said, especially if Notre Dame comes out on top in these big two games against the likes of Clemson and Ohio State, then that puts them in and Clemson out simply. That was the wrong show. Sports View starting in a few weeks. Uh, time to pick a winner for the night. This is tough. Everybody made good points. I'm going to go with... Um, I had to find the outro for Sports Buzz. So, alright. Good, that's found. I'm going to go with... Um, Ooh, this is tough. Everybody made good points. I'm going to go with uh, Sean Kelly. John and and Ben, great points. This was a very tough decision. Uh, Sean, any final words you want to say? 
No final words. It's always great to be here. Thanks for having me on. As I turned you off early. All right. It's okay. Yeah, you 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 can take. You probably yeah okay. I'll probably get a minute soon anyway. Alrighty. So for Ben Anderson, John Boggus, and Sean Kelly, I'm Justin Zimmer. Have a good night. We'll talk to you Friday night with number 11 Marshall versus number two Pittsburgh. Have a good night, everybody. Yeah, I knew Joe. He was a friend of mine.